Hey, small business owners. Are you looking for alternative sources of financing uh, because the bank interest rates are super high right now? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We have Jack Chang, who is the managing director of DGP Capital, which is an investment bank uh, with us today to talk about alternate sources of financing, which is a hot topic right now. So we're excited to do that. I'm Corey Harlock, creator of Key Hire. And if you're watching us on the live stream or you're checking us out on our YouTube channel, Key Hire Solutions, or you're listening to us on the podcast, be sure to hit the like or follow or subscribe button. We post this content twice a month. I uh, wanna make sure you don't miss out on that. We'd love to have you be a follower and support the program. Uh, so um, what has happened lately? I still need to talk to Matt about our music a little bit, Matt. Bug in your ear. We need to get something a little more rock and roll. Rock and roll. I think I got the guitars in the back. People keep asking me about them. Uh, but uh, today, with interest rates, inflation, uh, it's hard to move things. And I know a lot of business owners are going to the banks, and they're making them jump through hoops. They're making it really difficult on them. They're charging insane rates, and people are looking for alternative uh, ways to fund or cover debt or get loans for their businesses. And I just happen to know a guy who knows a lot about this stuff. In fact, uh, with his business, DGP is really big. They do a ton of selling. They, they help small businesses, small to mid market businesses sell. They do some acquisition work as, as well, but this has become a hot topic. Jack and I were talking about this a few weeks ago and I thought, Hey, we should really, uh, bring this to light and have a conversation about it because I'm sure there are people out there who would love to know uh, about this alternate resource if they don't already or how it works. Maybe there's some questions around that that we can clarify for them. So, uh, Matt, let's bring Jack on if we can. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Hey, everyone. How you doing? Hey, I did, was I close with my description? You are. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. Awesome. You get into this private equity investment banking world that's so nuanced, right? right. Um, the your business, and I think I was right. We we kind of overlap in terms of what we do. I know Key Hire works with businesses that are like five to twenty five million dollars in revenue. I know, and you you have a very specific niche. You have kind of three markets you cover. So, right. what size businesses do you work with, and what are those niches you work in? Yeah, well, we, we typically transact with clients that are at least 10 million in revenue. Um, I'd say average deal size from revenue perspective in the last 12 months has been about 40 ish million on okay. um, top line revenue. Uh, the three core industries we cover are industrials, manufacturing, uh, B2B services where there's a blue collar or field service footprint. And last but not least, energy with an asterisk on it. Um, onto the energy side, we're, we're really not going to be the, the team that covers upstream. We don't have Aries. We don't have an upstream engineering team. We don't have balance sheet to lend to. So we don't really focus on the upstream side. Downstream, uh, midstream, and OFS, we certainly would look at it. But I would say a bulk of our deal flow is really on the industrials or manufacturing space. Cool. Um, and we're not geographically bounded either. We've done deals on the West Coast, Central, U.S., East Coast, all across. We're within a four hour flight from anyone, uh, our, our teams able to rapidly deploy as a result of that. Yeah, you're saying you're you're headed out of state. Is it this week or next week or something? Oh yeah, yeah, ne no, next week we've got an engagement we're gonna work with a client on. Um, and that's another thing that we do. 
uh, we'll, we'll parachute in, we'll work direct with our clients, we'll do a lot of handholding that other investment banks may not do. And the reason why is, you know, it's not every day that business owner or the CEO or CFO is doing M&A or is looking at refinancing or recapitalizing the balance sheet. Um, so what we do for a living and they don't, they have a business to run, they have day-to-day -day operations to deal with. They don't have time to, to mess with it. And so a lot of times that's what we do. We do a lot of that heavy handholding that that's certainly a value add and uh, something we enjoy doing uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, all of our clients for the most part are private business owners. Right. Uh, we very rarely represent private equity backed or uh, strategics, but every once in a while we do, but I would say vast majority of business is from private business owners. Okay, cool. And I know that, you know, we're talking about kind of that alternate, alternate uh, funding or debt coverage and all that good stuff. And this conversation came, uh, you know, we belong to the same Vistage group and uh, right. just did some work with Chuck. We did some webinars and things. So shout out to Vistage and Chuck, but you know, you were talking about your, your, the business has shifted lately into yeah. this kind of alternate financing world. And I thought that was, that's really cool. So um, let's, you know, the first question is, what is it? What is this alternate yeah. financing or how can you help someone or why is it a good idea for someone to look at this? Right. right. And I'll preface it with, it's not always a good idea. There right. are very specific rationale and reasons for it, but that in a low interest rate environment, that used to be much more narrow in terms of where, you know, alternate debt solutions could come to play. But before I even go there, I'll, I'll describe briefly what we mean by alternative you know, capital solutions. Let's say you're an owner of a $20 million business. Um, you don't have a ton of debt on the balance sheet. You've had some rocky years in the last couple of years, but you're, you know, you got great backlog, got EBITDA positive, uh, you know, got good workforce and uh, good customer contracts. Now you're going out to, uh, you know, the, the large commercial banks of the world that you thought you had a relationship with and you're presenting your need to, to have a working uh, capital line or revolver or some type of turn debt. And now you're being told no. Well, it's not that your business isn't there. I think 12 months ago, you probably could have gotten that debt, assuming the financial metrics are there. But right now, as it is, most commercial banks are being much more restrictive in terms of who they lend to. And it's not because they don't have the capital. It's because they're, they're more risk adverse given the current volatility in the debt capital market side. Um, the fact of the matter is, um, in terms of leverage, right, we, we judge leverage in terms of how much debt can someone place as a multiple of your EBITDA, which is your earnings for, you know, interest taxes and depreciation amortization. Uh, that's the, the industry parlance is leverage ratio. If, you know, you looked back maybe 12 months ago, you know, some banks do four times leverage, some do, you know, a little bit north of three. And maybe six months ago, I, I spoke to most of our commercial banking colleagues and they're saying, well, our credit committees are telling us we got to stay in our three times leverage. So, for example, if you're running a $20 million business, $2 million EBITDA, what does that mean in terms of total debt capacity? Well, you should be able to do $6 million of debt. Now we're being told by most commercial banks that number is even going down below three. So as a business owner, you're not getting as much leverage capability out of your traditional financing and a traditional corporate and commercial debt uh, providers out there. So what are you, what are you going to do? You're not getting the financing you need. What, what the, the industry does offer 
and and this is outside the the regulated commercial banking realm are there are a ton of private lenders out there most of them are private equity firms or private equity linked some are even backed by the sba through a special you know small business investment corporation or an sbic as we call it um, all these are different types of lenders that are non-bank that number one are going to have a little bit more flexibility on the coverage ratio um, they're going to have possibly more flexible payment structures um, and number three more more potential flexibility amortization which is the rate at which the principal balance of your loan is paid off commercial banks don't have that flexibility they got to get they got to get their interest in amortization straight line i mean that's just how it is not many of them will 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 have that flexibility so that's where private lending comes into play in an environment like this and just to go back but, you talked about you know the uh, multiple is lowering but are the interest interest rates are going up from the bank as well like where have they yeah, gone correct. as well well the the spreads most most commercial debt is priced on um silver which is the uh, you know the overnight funds rate or as well to prime plus some percentage um, as a margin some some are priced at on senior debt some used to be priced at sofer or prime plus you know caught anywhere from on the very low end three on the very top end uh, you know for senior debt six uh, when you go to sub debt which is uh you don't have as much asset collateral coverage and on the capital stack you're behind senior lenders um, it can go into the double digit plus prime so what does that mean from a total overall cost of capital on a debt lending standpoint well when times are good and and, and you know when times are great when interest rates are really low on prime all in you're probably paying you know mid mid single digits you know on on your total debt now most borrowers are paying because of that that floating rate they're paying probably nine plus percent some even low double digits on on their debt and so fast forward a year from now um you know when when private lenders were traditionally seen as too expensive um, now they're actually kind of competitive from a rate standpoint they're probably not going to be that far off from your standard commercial lender maybe 100 bips more maybe 200 bips more depending on the tenure of the the loan depending on whether or not senior or sub etc uh, but they're, they can start to be competitive now on a pricing standpoint. That pricing valuation gap on cost of debt, and the interest rate you're paying, is is actually narrowing. And on top of that, they're going to give you a lot more flexibility than a traditional bank right. lender will. So they can be more creative. So now that that Absolutely. gap closed, I tell me if I'm if I'm getting this right because I'm learning as we go here. Sure. Um, because interest rates are high. The private private institutions are more attractive because the rates the gap is closed between rates, but the private lenders can offer more and different flexibility than a big bank can. Absolutely, they can. So um, now that they're close, it, it, the advantage might be kind of shifting a bit here if you have to do it. Right, um, if you have to do it because they can be more creative. That's right. It's all about their creativity and their risk tolerance. Um, that does come with obviously a cost. They're not they're not going to be you know as cheap as your traditional senior lending. But now that the price parity has dropped a bit um, because of rising interest rates across the board for traditional lenders, uh, a lot of these private lenders they're they've raised their capital from private pools of capital. 
that they're they're using as their capital base to lend out their balance sheet. They right. raised it at much lower rates and lower expectation of return on yield. And so they can start to be competitive. Will they beat bank rates? Probably not. But you know I mean, you're talking about 100, maybe two max 300 bips up on the same type of on the same type of lending. But at the same time, you're getting a lot more firepower. Um, you're getting you know, you, you could get another turn on EBITDA on debt. So, you know, going back to our example of 2 million EBITDA business, the max they may be getting an initial line from a commercial banker now might be uh, two times of that. So that's four to 5 million in total debt on the balance sheet that a lender would be willing to initially step into on the standard commercial side versus a non-bank private lender they could go up to they go up to six million three times. So I mean you're getting two million extra in debt capacity. Does that come with a cost? Yes, certainly. But it comes with flexibility too on payment. And if your your funding needs are such that you're very comfortable with your cash flow and what you really need the money for is working capital to to be able to do the work to secure the revenue that you've already got signed up. Well that's that's essentially what it, it's it's a, a good option for. Right. I'll give you another case in point. Um, you know, there's a client we have that big a big issue for them is really hiring and retaining talent, right? Hiring the right people and labor costs aren't going any lower, right? And Corey knows that better than anyone else <laughs> at Key Hire. Uh, to uh, you got to pay these people. You got to pay them well, even even especially when it's a really hard, arduous work as it is in, in a lot of field service industries. You got to staff up to be able to perform the work on your backlog. How can you do that if you're constrained on working capital and your bank's not gonna give you the breathing room you need, right? We're not gonna step up the plate and lend to you because you're all of a sudden in an out of favor industry. Right. Private debt is probably the way to go because they're gonna have a lot of flexibility on that. Uh, they, they'll get a little bit more comfortable with some customer concentration risk. Not all of it, if you got 100% customer concentration risk, well, not a lot of lenders for you, but if you have Say one customer has twenty percent of your revenue. Some some lenders will just say, "Oh no, can't do that." Commercial lenders, at traditional banks, and then a private lender will look at that and say, "Yeah, it's okay." The rest of your the rest of your you know revenue stack doesn't look that bad. Pretty well diversified. We can live with it. Or uh, okay, you have some oil and gas clients. Not a lot, but some we can live with that. Some commercial banks will see that and say, "Can't touch us." Right. Uh, right, uh, because they have rules in place and. Right. Some of it's ESG driven. Some of it's also portfolio management. They've already lent to so many people already sure. that have exposure and, and there's a balancing act when it comes to managing portfolio loans. Um, and the, the other side of that is getting that capital. Like you said, they need to ramp up. And I, I think one of the challenges they might face is if, if they do have large oil and gas clients or large capital C corporate clients, they yeah. go into that 90 day pay cycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Absolutely. then if, if the, the invoice is wrong, they got to resubmit it and then they go back into the queue. So um, they're waiting. It's hard to ramp up. Yep. I'm waiting 90 plus days to get paid for work. Like, where do I where do I get that extra cash to hire those extra people when I, on, on the balance sheet? I have the money. Right. Yeah. But it's not in the bank and it, it's going to be in the bank. I just hope the invoice was done correctly. And it's, you know, we're 60 days out. Yeah. And that's, that's a repeating cycle. So that might be one of those instances you're talking about where. Right. 
we need like to a revolver. Yeah, especially if you're high on AR, but you're still you still got good recoverable AR. It's just that maybe you got a couple of clients that are much larger and they're pushing around 60 days plus out on cash conversion cycle. Okay. Um, a, a good AR line can help you out. Revolver will help you out on that. Um, private lenders do that too. I mean, they're not just all about term loans. They could do they could do asset based loans as well. Well, it's okay. based on real estate or revolvers. They love doing those, and they're they're pretty cost competitive relative to okay. traditional bank lines as well. Um, different different set of circumstances on covenants, and they'll also even look at uh, situations where, let's say, you're a business owner, you have other assets, um, and and you know, your banking relationship's not cutting it. They're not they're not stepping up to the plate. Well, some of these lenders will certainly be able to give you um, a little bit firepower based on, you know, your, your off balance sheet items that, you know, a commercial bank might look at and say, Oh, well, it's not tied to the business. I can't lend against it unless there's already a private wealth relationship associated with it. Uh, but some, some, some of the, uh, you know, private lenders we know they they have a pretty good willingness to kind of jump into that pool and to be creative on, on how they cover their, their butt, so to speak on asset coverage. Cool. Um, so here's another, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of business owners overvalue their, their baby, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and so that's something you have to battle. But also when people, I'm a business owner and I think, hey, this sounds kind of interesting. What are, Jack, I know there are, the checklist is about 1500 items long about what you need to have to go to the bank or go to a, 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 an investment bank, right? A private yeah. bank. Um, what are kind of the top three things that you would say, like, if you want to, if you want to do this, here's what you're going to, here are the three steps you have to take that these get the ball rolling that yeah. taken serious or get into the <clears throat> or start the conversation. Get your financials in order. Number one. <laughs> so if you don't have strong financial reporting, well, it's in house with the CFO or fractional CFO or whether or not you have a third party accounting team that comes in every quarter or every half year or year to, to do a, a reviewed set of financials, you're gonna need that. Most banks, even private lenders, uh, their requests will always be, do you have audited or reviewed financials? Even, even though I know you're running Sage or you're running some other ERP right. system, still wanna see a third party review it and kind so of- auditing is, So auditing, I was gonna ask you that. So what is yeah. it? what makes the financials solid like that and it's having a third party audit is key yeah if not an audit at least a review because we we know sometimes people look at the audit the cost of not like why do we need it i mean i know for me i know how my business runs it's not about that right uh you know audits sometimes make a ton of sense um and sometimes a set of review financials is is really sufficient uh, if you ask a bank or, or any lender, they, they prefer audited, but right. you can get away reviewed as long as it's not too messy. Um, that's the key. And and having This is right. just to make sure you have what you say you have. And Correct. Your financial you performance. Correct. Your okay. financial performance is up to date. Number two, have a good story to tell, right? Okay. No, no business is perfect. No person is perfect. Um, maybe you had a bad year in 19. I don't know. Maybe you had a crappy year in 2020. Maybe 2021 is an anomaly relative to everything else. Who knows? But you have to have a reason why. Uh, it has to be a valid reason. It can't be just, hey, well, you know, you know, stuff happens, right? Right. It's not a good enough answer. You have to have a cogent story as a management team and a business owner as to why performance may have been varied relative to expectation 
And on top of that, how future performance is not going to necessarily be dictated by past performance. What evidence do you have as a business owner to make me as a lender believe that you're going to hit your numbers, right? If you're going to tell me this year business is going to jump up 25%, well, show me what your backlog look like, right. who are your customers list. And I'm How's sure that's positive and negative because I'm sure like you, you absolutely. 20 or 2021, some people had horrible years, but some people had record years, right? Now they Correct. think oh, this is our new trajectory. So we start forecasting off that. Right. And now the market normalizes and they come back to earth. So you have to be able to explain that as well, I would imagine. You do. And and that's, you're absolutely right, Corey. There's there's a downside to having a really blow out 2021, 2022. For example, a lot of building products businesses and construction businesses that, that kind of catered to kind of that residential market did really well. Sure. Well, yeah much not so much a lot of it was also driven by price increase on on things in general not necessarily volume mm -hmm. and so most most private equity firms acquires and also um you know private funding sources and commercial banks are are smart about that they know that that's a big reason why revenues maybe went went double or went at least 50 percent up on those those boom years and that's not really sustainable if you think it's sustainable you have to be able to prove it what what in your mind and in in, in a lender's mind, regardless of whether or not they're a private lender or a commercial bank, they're going to think about in terms of how recurring is your revenue? Right. Is there something to to make me believe that something's backstopping all this revenue, whether or not it's vendor agreements, whether or not it's uh, supply agreements or long-term take or pay, which is pretty rare in general, but you get my drift. You have sure. to have some kind of contractual stickiness to that revenue or else it's just, uh, you know, it's what we yeah, think it is. A million questions racing through the, my, my mind, and I'm yeah. looking at the clock thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get way off track on this. So we, no we consider doing this again to talk about other things. Because like, my next question is, how many people went out in 2020, 2021, when they're having these boom years when they didn't expect it and borrowed against their EBITDA and then came back to earth? And now they're in a little a bit. A ton of, of them. A ton of them. And, and it actually goes not just in private businesses, but also private uh, public you know public companies have the same fate private equity backed businesses are are basically in that same boat too um, they would have bought on high multiple right high multiple they got acquired a high multiple they probably did some really high leverage plus four times on ebitda you know on leverage so they're you know pretty heavy heavy balance sheet hit um and assets aren't aren't priced any differently than they were today versus yesterday right pretty similar on hard assets. So asset covers the same, but all of a sudden if cash flow drops significantly, you know, it could be could be a problem from your covenant standpoint because you sure. borrowed based on a projected EBITDA number. And if your yeah. EBITDA number is way below that, well all of a sudden you're below covenant and you're technically in technical default with your lender. And that can that can cause a lot of sticky problems. And so yeah, I, it's a problem. Yeah. Sure. Statistically I, I unfortunately don't have statistics on that, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, we, we've seen a lot of kind of alternative debt funding requests come across our plate from from private companies across the board because I mean, they're seeing the same pressure, even if they weren't bought out. They certainly borrowed at certain points and right. uh, they're having a hard time fulfilling their work going forward because of working capital constraints. They can't don't have the cash flow to hire people slow right. pay. Yeah. Uh, now they're having to go out to the debt markets and uh, really the, the people that are really stepping in are, are really, for the most part, 
going to be your uh, private lenders that that could fill the gap of those kind of near bankable clients. Okay. So switching gears, what and we're running, and we aware of time here, but what what would be the mistakes or the pitfalls people don't think about when they look at this kind of alternative funding? Their existing debt on their balance sheet. Um, number one is, you know, people, people, a lot of times their business owners in this scenario, they have existing debt on the balance sheet, whether or not it's a CARES Act loan or PPP that hasn't been extinguished or USDA, whatever it is, whatever type of debt solution they currently have, it all goes together with your additional funding asks and every single lender, regardless of whether or not it's commercial or it's private, will look at the entire debt request in that perspective. So for example, if you currently have 5 million in your balance sheet and you want another 5 million, they're not just underwriting 5 million as a new lender, they're writing underwriting 10 because they're thinking, well, am I first line position, first lien, am I second lien? Do I have subordination? Do I, uh, do I have asset coverage? So the things that tick through their mind and thinking about, well, will I lend to this person? I know they can technically pay me back 5 million if things go to default, but what what are what are the lines in which i'd have to stand behind to get paid right, right? i'm i'm I, I worry about that and so a lot of lenders will tell me they're like well we're, yeah we're only underwriting five million but technically we're thinking about it in terms of underwriting the whole 10 because we have to wait for that person that was in front in line of us to collect their five in the case of default before we ever get paid out right uh that's one mistake a lot of bars don't really contemplate is that hey you know what uh, it, it's all about whether or not someone can get paid back in a reasonable amount of time. Right. That's, that's interesting. And it, it makes me think of what, how these conversations can get a little sticky at times. Because yeah. as, as the lender, you're like $5 million is a lot of money, right? You want to make yeah. sure you get that back. And oftentimes the business owners are what, like, we got, we have revenue. We're, we're ticking yeah. no, thinking- everything. And, you're undervaluing it. And I think my business, it might be, you might be undervaluing that. And you might be thinking, actually, we might have given you a little bump on that and right. honor, you know, giving you a little more than we should have or whatever it is. So it's a very, it's what I'm hearing is this isn't just like a gut feel thing, right? You guys are yeah. like digging into everything to make sure this is viable that you can recoup. Correct. Can recoup. And, and a big part of recouping is asset coverage. So a lot of bit lenders won't, won't necessarily tell you that up front. They'll dig in your balance sheet and try to figure it out. But let's say you have a scenario where you owe a ton of money to a lender, right? And in case of default, their their first course of action is hoping that in a liquidation scenario, you have enough assets on your balance sheet, whether or not it's plant equipment, real estate, to cover that debt, at least some percentage of it. The farther you get away from coverage and the more reliant you are on cash flow to fund that debt and pay it down, the more scary it gets for lenders. Um, okay. And especially for commercial lenders, they they really will not. This is what we call an asset air ball. They won't. They really won't look at it anymore if it's substantially above what you know what what they would like to see, which is hundred percent asset coverage. Right. So um, that may be like a service company where their their business is all people. people going out, and they don't they don't have a product, so to speak, but they're they don't have a lot of assets. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, so Jack. Thank you. Uh, if if I'm a small business owner and I'm thinking this sounds like something I need to explore, what what what's the one thing they should take away from here today? 
um, that they should start looking into or researching or what action could they take? I think talking to, uh, you know, certainly speaking to an impartial third party that's not a lender uh, is helpful, right? Whether or not it be a, a CFO in-house that they know, or if it's uh, an intermediary like us that we're not a lender, we put people in touch with lenders. Uh, and so we're not biased in terms of, hey, we only want what's a good deal for us. Our, our goal for our clients is to help them with the best capital structure possible. And we'll, we'll look at your capital structure. We'll tell you, hey, is this viable or not? Or are you, are you reaching? Or should you really think about, um, you know, frankly, restructuring some of your company because you're, you're kind of way over your skis on debt. And we just seen a, a see an endless treadmill in sight. Uh, a lender may not tell you that directly, right? Because their business is to lend you money. Um, they're after their own interests. And as such, they, they hope to lend you money. But if they can't, they'll just tell you, hey, we can't. Here's why. And they won't necessarily put you in, in touch with the right people that will. At least with an impartial third party, they'll look at it and say, hey, well, here's a likely lender scenario you're looking at. Here's a likely structure. Um, and we'll we'll shoot it out to a variety of parties so you can get a little bit more efficient when it comes to to running a little bit of process on on finding the right home from a capital standpoint. Very cool. So if they want to talk to you, how do we reach you? Here we go, Matt. Putting you on the spot again. Yeah. How do we get in touch with you, DG, DGP Capital. Yeah. Hit us up on our website, or uh, even better, you can just email me. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to to Corey and. Um, you know, team. Or what's your email? Let's see if Matt, yeah, how, sure. how fast Matt's fingers are. See if you can get it up here. Sure. It's Jack Chang at ggpcapital.com. Let's see. You're on the clock, Matt. See if he's paying attention. <laughs> uh, with an A. Sorry, with it's an, an A. a. <laughs> Come on, Matt. Let's go. No, it's Jack Chang, C H A N G E. Or A-N-G-S. Third time's a chart. You'll, you'll get it. We'll Third time's a chart. There it is. All right. All right. There That's it awesome. is. Sweet. Uh, Thank you, man. Awesome. Uh, thanks, man. This is this has been great. I, I've i learned a ton from it, and I, and I think people will find the information valuable, and I appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with us today. No, likewise. I enjoyed it and love talking about it. So, uh, yeah, appreciate the time. That's, that's pretty evident. You love talking about this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll see you soon. All right. See you all. All right. Thanks, Jack. Awesome. That was, that's a lot of information. Jack's a smart guy and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uh, grateful and thankful that he took time out of his busy calendar. I know how busy he is to come and join us. So uh, if you are a small business owner and you're looking for some alternate funding, uh, hit Jack up, dgpcapital.com. Um, otherwise, if you're a small business owner and you're struggling with, with uh, your talent strategy or acquiring the right people, hit me up at keyhire dot solutions. Uh, you can follow us. We have a free consultation, no weirdness, no sales. Just give us a call. We'll walk you through your talent strategy. Happy to do that. We love doing that. Um, we can do that. We have our podcasts on all the major providers, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Audible. We're all over the place. Check us out on the podcast. Uh, subscribe or follow us. Get on the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All this content's going up twice a month and we don't wanna make sure you don't miss out on it. Uh, you can also hit us up on our LinkedIn page. We are everywhere. And we would love for you to follow us on, on those uh, social media platforms. So until next, uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. We'll see you at the beginning of March. 
Stop grinding, start growing. We'll talk to you soon.